0: Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at InspireChurches.com. Hey, good morning, Inspire Church. So grateful to be in the house with you this morning to share God's Word. Listen, before we dive in, I just want to take a moment and give honor where honor is due. Uh, your pastors make this very easy because they are the real deal pastor phil pastor jamila just want to say we love you so much i'm so honored uh, that you would invite me to speak and to to share god's word with your house and uh and i just have to say we're so grateful for your friendship we're so grateful for your leadership thank you for being courageous leaders in a very difficult and challenging time Uh, i appreciate always appreciate our conversations your wisdom and uh, listen, if you're tuning in uh, and you are a part of Inspire Church, you already know this. Your pastors love you so much. We don't have a conversation where we're just we're not talking about um, what God is doing at Inspire. And uh, no pun intended, but I am inspired when I hear what God is doing That Inspired. Uh, but we just are so grateful that your pastors are the real deal. And uh, Pastor Roger, Pastor Becca, uh, we love you so much. The entire team and staff, you guys are just, uh, you guys are incredible. And I'm not just saying that, like, that is for real. Um, we're grateful for your partnership in the gospel here in the Bay Area. So... Well, I want to talk to you again from this idea of the table is set because I think the table, when I say the table, I'm talking about the dining room table or the living room table, the kitchen table, uh, however you describe that. But I I think the table means something a little bit different to all of us. Uh, It it means something uh, for some of us. It's really special. For some of us, it's not really sacred at all. Uh, Some of you guys, you never sat at a table growing up. So it's a little bit foreign. Uh, I know that many of you, uh, you sat maybe in front of the TV as a kid. Maybe you still do. Uh, maybe it's, it's TV dinners and you kind of sit on the floor and, and there's really not a gathering around the table. I know for others of you, uh, it's been really special. Like you've gathered around the table your whole life. Maybe you eat breakfast, dinner, maybe at least one meal uh, a day together. And then I know for others, uh, the table, maybe you gathered around the table, but it wasn't so fun. Like maybe, maybe it was a table of tension. It was a table of arguments. Uh, for some of you guys gathered around the table, but it was a table of silence. And, and maybe you're, you're tuning in right now and the table is kind of a, a reminder of how lonely you are because maybe it's only you, for the most part, sitting at the table. Uh, maybe you're single and the table is kind of a reminder of you know, the, this reality that you're not married yet. Uh, can I just tell you, be patient and just trust God. Uh, he is so faithful in that area. I, I promise you that. But, but maybe the table is a reminder of your lack. And so I, I want to be really sensitive because I know, again, for some, the table is sacred. For some, you have no clue on what the table can offer. And I'm hoping that the Spirit of God would inspire our hearts today uh, to really catch this, this, this aspect of the table. Now, for me, I've had the privilege of knowing a little bit about both sides. I grew up in a single parent home in the East Bay. Um, My mom worked in San Francisco. And so from the fifth grade on, I would come home by myself. So I know how it feels to cook beanie weenies and cup of noodles. And, uh, and then I also know, you know, my mom would come home early once in a while and we would share a meal together. And then, of course, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving, we would get together with some family. And so I, I had a little bit of both sides, a little bit of the table being special and sacred and a little bit of the TV dinners and the floor um, on a weekly basis. But, but now the table's getting a, a little bit complex for me. It's a little bit different because I have a family now and I'm going to show you my family. Uh, my beautiful wife Jackie, uh, my oldest Olivia, this is my middle child Abigail, and this is my little baby girl Hannah. And so, so my kids, they're, they're eight, six, and three, and the table gets a little bit more complex when you have kids joining you. Are you with me? I, I grew up, somebody, uh, whether I was, it was my mom or whether it was an adult or a babysitter, they would always tell me this phrase, don't make a mess at the table. But see, with our kids, we're a little bit different. We're like, the table is really the spot where you want them to make the mess. Like, you don't want them to make the mess in the living room or, or, or anywhere else on the floor or the carpet or the hardwood floor, right? Like, make the mess at the table. But I always tell my kids this. Not only can you make a mess at the table, um, but you can bring your mess to the table. Like, we want the table to be a place of, of conversation where they feel like they can bring their celebrations and they can bring their pain. But it's a little bit more complex with kids and and to try to get them to sit down is sometimes it's it's really a challenge. Uh, Like, for instance, they they sit down and then all of a sudden they want to drink. Right. So we got to do all these preparations just so they have no excuse uh, to get up or or to move around. And it can be it can be tough. And and then they want to eat really, really fast. And, you know, go and play and, and do what they want to do. And so we, we're doing our best as parents, and, and maybe you can relate to me if you have kids, but we're doing our best as parents to try to get them to see the vision of the table. You see, we don't want them just to uh, sit at the table because they're supposed to or just because we want to teach them manners, even though we do. And we don't want to be embarrassed when we go in public and they're climbing all over everything. Like that is, there's a place for that. But we want them to see the vision of the table. We want them to see the potential of the table. We want them to see what God can do at the table. Now, I think that the time that we're living in, uh, the the table is decreasing, and I don't think it's just decreasing in size, shout out to Ikea, right, but also in purpose. Meaning back in the day, everybody wanted to to buy a big table so they can host and have neighbors over and friends over, and it's just not like that as much anymore, maybe in some cases, but but this table's getting smaller. It's getting smaller in size, right? Where our places of living are a little bit smaller. We live in the Bay Area, it's expensive, so it's, it, it's hard to find a place that you can fit a big table. Um, and then we think about hosting everybody, and man, it can be tight financially to have a ton of people over your house. And so there's all these different aspects where the table is not just shrinking in size, but I also think it's shrinking in purpose. And so I would propose that, that, that we might be losing something sacred, that as we look back to the first century church, they seem to understand the reality and the beauty and the blessing of the table. But I'm wondering if in, in our day we're, we're losing that a little bit. We're, we're losing something that's not just special, but even sacred. And, and I know that that may sound like, man, the table, like, are you serious? Like, is it really that big of a deal? Well, well it is because God created two things that we desperately need. And they're both found at the table. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Food and relationships. Like like we desperately need food for fuel, right? And we were created and designed for communities the way that God made us. And the table provides a setting for both of them. And so I I don't know if we understand how important the table is and and how important um, or, or how much of an impact the table has had even in our day. You see, a lot of money has gone into research trying to discover, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, the mystery of the Jewish people. Now, the Jewish population makes up of about 14 million people, which is only 0.002% of the population. That's a very insignificant number compared to the rest of the population. But here's what's so interesting. When it comes to the Jewish community, they make up 30 to 40% of the Nobel Peace Prizes, 30 or 25 to 30% of the Pulitzer Prizes, and when it comes to patent and innovation and technology, 40 to 50% of the patents are founded by the Jewish community. And, and so this has just intrigued people to try to figure out why are they so successful. Now, we can talk about how uh, they're God's chosen people and God is sovereign, and I'm not going to argue with that. But when they did this research, millions of dollars of research to try to discover, man, what is the secret? And what they found was it boiled down to to one of the most highest, most holy moments of their week. And it wasn't in the synagogue. It was on the Sabbath at the table. And now, I know that everybody every Jewish person has not grown up Orthodox, so I'm very careful not to throw everybody into, into one category. But as they were doing this this study, it was really interesting because the Jewish table on a Sabbath, it, it's really it's really significant. And there's a couple of things that are really special that, that I want you to hear. Number one is that the kids don't get a separate table. Like they don't get a little kitty table. They get to sit with the grown-ups. And as they're sitting at the table on the Sabbath, as they're eating, as they're sharing in meals together, Uh, the the matriarchs and the patriarchs begin to share stories from the scriptures. They begin to sing psalms and hymns, right? Spiritual songs, as Paul would say, um, at the table. And and it's, it's such a beautiful thing. Now, in this culture, they would say, you don't even know the story, nor can you tell the story of the scripture until you can see yourself in David's shoes. Until you can picture yourself in the shoes of Moses looking into the face of Pharaoh. Or Esther, staring into the face of the king as she's putting it all on the line. So they're like, you you don't even know the story until you can see yourself in the story. And and then all of a sudden, after the stories and and the food and, and the singing, then come the questions. The elders offer a room for debate so they can dialogue and ask the tough questions because they believe that there is no question that is too hard for the scriptures to answer so let's talk about Jonah being swallowed by a giant fish. Let's dive into some of this debate. And, and what the study and the research has shown is that because of the table, it's at the table that, that, that they're being formed, that they're being shaped, uh, that, that really, I mean, there's impartation, that the elders are investing in the younger so that when they become teenagers, these teenagers are not trying to find out who they are because they're pretty solid in that. They're more concerned with how am I going to change and impact the world? I mean, it's just, it's just astounding. And then some other studies have shown that, you know, if a student sits at a table three times a week to have dinner, they are more likely to extremely excel in college and in high school. And all the parents said, you're sitting at the table tonight. And so, so I, I want you to get this picture that the table is life-giving, it's enjoyable. The singing, the conversation, the challenge, bodies are being fueled, relationships are being built. So it's no wonder that as we look throughout scripture that God has a way of showing up at the table. We look at Acts chapter two, I think it's a great picture. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. See, I think we're really good at you know, knowing that prayer is a priority. If, if we Maybe it doesn't have a, a priority as much as it should in our lives, but we would say, man, prayer is super important. And I think when it comes to devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to the scriptures, man, I think that we're, we get really good at that, right? We're really good at diving in. We see the importance of that, but what about the spiritual discipline of fellowship, koinonia, gathering around, uh, you know, a table, a meal, sharing in meals together, gathering around the scripture, wrestling with it together around a meal at the table. Like that's the one that just doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Like, yeah, we know fellowship's important, but sharing in meals? Like this is what they devoted themselves to, including the Lord's Supper. And so, so I'm just wondering that, you know, when it comes to the spiritual discipline of sharing in meals and in fellowship, I know it can be tough because of the pace of life and the demands and the complexity of our lives today, even during COVID. Like many of us who, um, who haven't been working, or maybe we got laid off, or maybe things slowed down a lot, one of the things that we've learned in COVID is that just because there's a cease of activity doesn't mean that there's rest in our souls, We've just replaced, you know, the busyness and the restlessness with other things, right? <laughs> Netflix and, and scrolling, and we just replaced some of that busyness. We're still, some of us just walk around the house trying to figure out stuff to do. We're going to work on the yard. We just find a way to continue to be busy. And so, so what I'm saying is this, is I understand all those complexities, but we have to figure this out. We have to figure this out. We, I know it's not popular to slow down. We, we kind of praise busyness today. But I wonder what would happen if we rediscovered this discipline of fellowship, of sharing in meals, that, that in this fast-paced world, we would learn how to enjoy a slow-paced meal around the Scriptures, inviting God to the table and, and, and joining with our family, joining with some friends. And I know that looks really different today. I, I know that uh, that table may look like a Zoom table. Like I would encourage you, a perfect setting for this table is on a Sunday morning. As we're gathering around God's word, like let that be an undistracted time. Let that be a time that you gather together as a family or 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 if you're single uh, and and you're by yourself, maybe you can get on a Zoom watch party just so you can gather around the scriptures, gather around with others. Because the important part is not just that we're hearing the scripture, but we're gathering around the scriptures. And there's there's opportunity from some dialogue. There's connection. And so I, I want to encourage you, no, no matter what it, it may feel like in the time that we're living in, let's prioritize the table. we got to figure out the table. I love what N.T. Wright said. N.T. Wright, theologian, he said, when Jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal. Like, think about that. He's getting ready to, to tell them the, the beauty and the brutality of the cross, and where does he do it? He does it at a table. He gives them a meal as he starts to dialogue and let them know of what's to come. The biggest news that, that the biggest and the greatest news that history will ever know, Jesus gives around a meal. And, and I think Matthew, he helps us in his gospel understand this and understand a little bit more about what happened at this table. As he tells us, as they were eating together, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take and eat, for this is my body. And I think we see this beautiful tapestry woven all throughout the New Testament, the beauty of blessing, that God blessing us with the beauty and the power of the gospel. And then the breaking, God shaping us and and forming us and sanctifying us through the gospel. And then what? And then giving our lives away to the world that the world might hear the gospel. And and I I love how Eugene Peterson says it. He says it this way. He says, uh, Eugene Peterson, it says that he has observed this pattern of being blessed, broken, and given he says, this is at the heart of the Christian story. There he rightly insists that this is the shape of the Eucharist. This is the shape of the gospel. This is the shape of the Christian life. This blessing, this breaking, and this giving. And so I, I don't have time to, to break down all of those, but I want to focus on the first one today is at the table. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. That the table is a place of blessing. I, I mean, I think about all the, the incredible moments that I've had at the table, significant moments, moments that has really changed the game for me. I remember um, sitting down with my in-laws at a table. We were at Hacienda Crossings in Dublin. Many of you guys remember a, a restaurant called Fuzio's, and they had a great pad thai, great little spot. And I took them out to eat because I was gonna ask for their daughter's hand in marriage. I was super nervous, and what did we do? We sat at a table. And this is where I first popped the question to them, like, can I have your blessing to marry your daughter? And how many of you guys know I brought my wallet to that table? I paid for that meal. So, guys, just a little hint. If you're getting ready to propose and you're going to maybe take out the parent or whoever's very special and significant in their life out to dinner, just make sure you bring your wallet to the table. Can I get it? Amen. Amen. And so, uh, so we sat down and they gave me their blessing to marry their daughter. And then fast forward a little bit, I, uh, Jackie and I, we, we get uh, uh, to this place in Napa. It's called the Carneros Inn. It's, it's this little uh, quaint little spot in Napa. And, and this is where I was going to pop the question to her, right? Now, it is a inn, like it's a hotel, but we didn't get a room. Just want to make that clear. We weren't married yet. I was proposing. But they had this beautiful apple orchard overlooking the vineyards. And the Carneros Inn, they went and purchased all my, my wife now, all of her favorite food. And, and they brought it out. We set up the, the checkered blanket, the red and white blanket with the little umbrella. And they brought out all of her favorite food. It was simple sandwiches. And, and then the dessert came out on a silver platter. And around the cookies, um, they were pink. And they were, it was just a cool little presentation. And in the middle was the ring. And I asked her here at the table, to marry her, and by the grace of God, she said yes. And babe, if you're listening, don't remember that was an awesome table. But so many significant moments at the table. Now I fast forward, and my wife and I, we have date nights, and our favorite spot is a little spot downtown in our city called Bachi. And we love this place because at the table, um, their tablecloths are paper, so we can draw, we can write, like they give us some crayons. And it's at this table that every year we go and, we, and we, we, we write down uh, really what God is speaking to us. We just say, Lord, we want to invite you to this table. God, would you show us how to lead our home better? God, would you help us to be better parents? Would you help us to serve and love one another better? Would you help us to be better pastors? And, and we just sit down at the table and we cast vision and, and, and we, we talk about our life and our marriage and our parenting and, and just ask the Lord to shape us, to form us. God, reveal your heart to us. And so now fast forward. So me and my wife, we love to go on date nights, but this was something significant that happened last year. And we really felt the Lord encourage us to take our young adults group on ourselves. And so uh, we started to realize that our, our young adults were coming from all over the world. Uh, they were coming from all over the United States. Some had family here, some didn't. Uh, and we started to realize that many of them were not sitting down at a table. And so we just had this idea. We're like, man, what if we, what if we got together and, man, we would, you know, walk through a study together. We would walk, uh, you know, watch a, a little video of, I don't know, Francis Chan or whatever the case may be. And then we just sit around and we eat and we wrestle through the scriptures. We wrestle around the text together. And, and it just turned out to be something. It was kind of an experiment, but it turned out to be something so beautiful. And God started to really inspire us and show us the importance of the table. And you can see that it's not anything spectacular. We had paper plates and, and we had some, some, you know, some soda cans. Like There was nothing magnificent, but there was so much purpose. Like the table doesn't need to be magnificent, it just needs to carry the purpose, right? It just needs to carry the heart of God. It needs, it needs to have this koinonia, this fellowship, sharing in meals around the Word of God, praying for one another. And so it was just such a special time, and we started to see, you know, uh, uh, some of our leaders really step to the plate. Jackie and I would just step back, and, and conversations were happening. I remember one time we just looked at everybody and they're talking around the scripture and they're dialoguing and they're going on rabbit trails and coming back. And and we just looked at each other like, man, how beautiful is this? And and some that were a little bit afraid to open up or dialogue after a few meals together, man, they're talking, they're eating, they're engaged. and, and, And I just want you to know that if you're thinking, man, I had such a bad experience at the table, that the future potential of the table does not have to look like that that there's something so special when we're able to share a meal, we're able to conversate around the scriptures and you're able to engage with people that wanna see God's very best in your life. And we would just have fun eating, drinking, soda once again, right? And I just think the ancients got this. I think the early church got this and I'm afraid that if we're not careful, even in this time, especially as we've been more isolated, probably more than ever, I just think we, we need to pay close attention to this spiritual discipline of sharing in meals and of fellowship. And I think, you know, for some of us, man, maybe it's still like, I'm not really sure, like, is this really that important? Let me take you to the Psalms. I think the the psalmist explains this really well. And in Psalms chapter 104, verses 14 and 15, the psalmist says, you cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for people to use you allow them to produce food from the earth. Like how how beautiful is that? Like God allows food to be produced. And then look what it says. It says wine to make them glad, olive oil to soothe their skin and bread to give them strength. And so, so God's purpose for food goes far beyond fuel. Like can I just tell you ladies and gentlemen that God is for your joy. Like, there's something about gathering around a meal, eating some food that that can not just fill your stomach, but man, can fill your heart. I mean, if anybody told you that God is not for you, they've lied to you. Like, God is for your joy. And an opportunity that you and I have is not just to gather around food to get fueled, but there's joy found in this beautiful reality. You see, in verse two of this passage, I'm not going to go there, but. But God reminds us that he stretches out heavens, the heavens like a tent, that that he created and formed the very crust of the earth, right? That the very mountains are in his hands. And so in between Mount Everest and the Grand Canyon is this mystery of God providing food, the the mystery of of the plate, like God's goodness towards humanity, that he allows food to be produced from the plants. And I just think sometimes we miss this. It's very simple. We we take this for granted all the time. We, we eat all the time. We just kind of, you know, we go through the most to maybe say a quick prayer, but man, there's so, there's something so special that I think it's easy to miss because we are a culture of fast food and I'm not hating. I love fast food. I, I love Chick-fil-A. I love In-N-Out. I, I don't do McDonald's that much. So, but if you like McDonald's, I'm not a hater on that. Like, do you? But, but There's something about watching a meal be prepared from scratch that you're just like, man, this tastes so good. I had no idea that spice was in there. I had no idea that, man, this was kind of the preparation of it and and all these different ingredients and aspects. Listen, if if food was just for our fuel, why would God give us 10,000 taste buds? Like 10,000 taste buds. And, and and here's the beauty of it, is that as a believer, when you and I eat a good piece of steak, right, the, the, the world eats a good piece of steak and says, that was a great steak. We get to eat a good piece of steak and and thank God, give glory to God. Like, God, thank you that you provided the cattle. Thank you that you're, 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 the way that you've woven things and provided food from the plants and, and from animals, like just how your, your magnificence and all of this Food can provoke us to praise. Food can provoke us to to, to take a moment and give glory to God for his beauty, for his majesty, for his goodness, for his provision. I I mean, think about how that changes our attitudes in regards to feeding the poor. And it's just not, we're we're just not trying to get you filled, but, but, but just the very aspect of the table points to God's goodness toward you, God's heart for you, God's provision for you. And it leaves an opportunity for worship to glorify and to magnify His goodness, His beauty, and that the very fact that God is for, God is for us. And so maybe you just never thought about the table like that. And and I think sometimes if we're honest, we're a little bit afraid to maybe come to the table or we're a little afraid to create a table because we're just like, I'm just not sure if I have something to offer. Like, what would I say at the table? Or or maybe when it comes to leading a Zoom group or a small group, or maybe showing up to coffee and theology, like, I mean, it's a little bit vulnerable. What if I don't know what to say? What if I don't have an answer? Listen, you are in such a safe house. And and maybe you're you're thinking right now that I don't even really have a, a you know, a table to go to. Can I just tell you, you do have a table to go to. If you feel like you're by yourself, especially in this hour, you have a church family that loves you and has a seat for you at the table. And don't be afraid, but but you're if you are a little bit afraid, and you're like, I'm not really sure what I have to offer, I'm not really sure if I want to show up, feels a little bit vulnerable, feels a little bit, I just don't know. You're not, listen, if you feel like that, you're in good company. And Jesus addresses this. And I think the disciples were experiencing something similar in Luke chapter 9, verse 12 and 13. Let me give you a little bit of context. So Jesus has been preaching all day. It's headed into the evening. There's over 5,000 people and people are getting hungry. And the disciples, they say that as as the day neared its end, the 12 came to Jesus and said, dismiss the crowd so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside for lodging and for food. Listen to what they say. For we are in a desolate place here. And I think that's so interesting. What they were saying is, we don't have anything to offer. <laughs> like, we're in a desolate place. Jesus, send them away to get some lodging and to get some food. And I think sometimes, again, we don't want to come to the table because we're like, man, I don't know if I should show up. I don't know if, if I have anything to offer. Will people accept me? Will it? Like, what if I ask a ridiculous question? You know, we have all these different fears. Or, or maybe when it comes to hosting, maybe you're like, I don't know if I'm, you know, prepared enough or whatever the case may be. And, but just, just to gather people around the table, it can be intimidating. Sometimes it can feel like desolation. But many times when we see desolation, Jesus sees an invitation. Many times when we see that or, or feel like we have nothing to offer, Jesus says, no, 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 there's a great opportunity. There's a great opportunity. And there's a seat for you at the table. And so they go on, they say, Jesus says, well, why don't you give them something to eat? They said, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, unless we go and buy food for all these people, there were about 5,000 men, not including women and children. So let's just say this would have been a very expensive Zoom group or small group. right? If you're going to buy food for all these people, it would have been, that would have been tough. And so Jesus continues and he says this, He said, but he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups. Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. He said, have them sit in groups. Jesus was all about small groups, ladies and gentlemen, just in case you didn't know that. Jesus was about us gathering together, not just in the temple courts, but from house to house. And, And so everybody is, is, they're hungry, they're probably a little bit tired, and everybody sat down. And I get back to thinking about the psalm, the psalmist, where, where the psalmist says, sometimes God has to make us lie down in green pastures, right? Sometimes he not only leads us beside still waters, but he has to make us lie down in green pastures, because we're, we're just, we, we don't like to lie down sometimes. We don't like to take a seat. Sometimes we're restless. We're kind of running all over the place. And God's like, man, what if you just took a seat? Like, like some of us, listen, there's some things that you and I, it's going to be really hard to receive from the Lord if we don't take a seat. Like some of us, it's just tough, but we don't sit down long enough just to hear what God wants to speak to us. Now, I'm not saying God can't speak to you in motion or on the go or anything like that. I think you can track with my heart. I'm saying this, that that there's something about a posture of sitting, a posture of rest in certain moments that can really prepare us to receive. And and God speaks to us in a lot of different ways. And so maybe God doesn't speak to you all the time in rest, but I'm just saying Listen, when's the last time you took a seat and had a meal around the scriptures with others? Maybe family, maybe friends. And I'm not just talking about a physical table now, it could be a Zoom, it could be just an intentional moment. You're taking communion together. You're you're sharing a slow-paced meal and inviting Jesus to come in shape, to come in form, to come and speak. You're giving glory to God for his goodness of relationships that are being built. Our bodies are being fueled. Like, when's the last time you just took a moment like that? You see, for me, God does speak a lot when I'm in a place of stillness, uh, because God knows how I'm wired. I'm kind of more prone to anxiety. Uh, I'm energetic a lot. But when God speaks to me, maybe some of you guys think because I'm a pastor that God, you know, I go into my closet and it's like Starbucks, right? It's got ambient music and like, you know, dark walls and candles are lit and the glory of God just descends. Um, my closet doesn't look like that. Uh, but, but one of the ways that the primary ways that God speaks to me is in the twilight in between where I'm kind of asleep and awake. Like I'm, I'm either waking up in the morning or I'm laying down at night just still, like some of my, my greatest thoughts, some of the greatest messages that I preach, some of the, the greatest moments with God has been in this stillness when I'm just totally still and like God's like, finally, I can speak to you. Like you're, you're still enough to actually hear because sometimes, listen, he's not in the wind, he's not in the earthquake, but in the still small voice. And, and so, so and, and listen, maybe you're wired a little bit more, like you're a little bit more on the go. And, and that's okay. Like, and maybe God speaks to you a lot like that. Like some of you guys, like you may love to eat standing up, right? Like you just love to, to walk around. Maybe you've heard this said in your household. Hey, why don't you sit down? Like, relax. You're like, oh, no, no, no. So good. I'm okay. I've been sitting down all day. I'm good. And you just love to sit up. That's a good raspberry, by the way, or blackberry. Uh, but you just, you find yourself in a place where you're just constantly going. And maybe the Lord is just, it's a season where God is just saying, man, I would love for you to just come and take a seat. It's not that God can't speak to you on the go, but but listen, some of us have had such a fast pace, even in the midst of shelter in place. And God is like, man, why don't you take a seat? You're always walking. You're never sitting. And sometimes it's hard to receive when we're in motion. Like, I think sometimes God wants to speak to us and and we're like, how about you pass the baton? Like, let's do it like a marathon. God, like, like, why don't I run and you kind of just pass the baton to me? Like, go ahead and speak to me. And God's like, man, I would love for you just to come and take a seat. And he instructs his disciples to, to do this. He 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 invites us and he as he invited those people to a place of rest, to a place of stillness, so that, that we could receive. Listen, there's something about being still that allows us to reflect, it allows us to remember. Um, And just taking an intentional moment to do so, saying, man, I'm remembering, God, those altars, I'm remembering your goodness, I'm reflecting, I'm meditating on your word. And so so I I just want you to lean in for a little bit, because maybe God in this season is saying, I want you to wrestle. Maybe this is a little bit tough for you, but God's like, "I, I want you to take a seat. There's a seat for you at the table. And so Luke chapter 9, verse 16 to 17, it says, And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. So here, here we see this rhythm again. Here we see this tapestry, right? He said a blessing over them. then he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples and set them before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left, what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. And so, so get this picture, ladies and gentlemen, the table is set. Right, the dis- he gave he then broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. The table is set, and and we see they even have leftovers. Can I just tell you? Listen, with God, there's there, there's always more than enough. There's room for you. I, I love what David said. He says that that God, my my cup overflows. And my heart is that people would be drinking from your saucer because your cup is overflowing. I'm not talking about in a prosperity way that that's distorted or or discombobulated. I'm talking about, man, just rich in the fullness of God. That That is your dialogue. And as you guys, you know, share a, a, around a meal, as you talk about the scriptures, as you give glory to God, that there would be a fullness, not just for your body, but for your heart, for your soul that would Overflow. And impact everybody and everyone around you. Now, some of you guys are still saying, "Man, I just don't have time for that." Like, man, this is tough. I'm working a couple jobs, or you know, I, I can't imagine you know making time to, for the table for this long meal and you know all this stuff. And I, I get it. I, I know that we we got responsibilities. There's complexities. I know that there's all these uncertainties that we're dealing with right now. But there's so many reasons not to sit. But Jesus invites us to. He invites us to take a seat. Can I just tell you, it's not even just about sitting around tables together. It's about you and I sitting at his table. And I don't know what that table looks like for you. But but I I think we're living in a day where we're, we're sacrificing depth and we're settling for shallow. Like I I think about Beachbody.com. Many of you guys have jumped into that during COVID, right? And and Beachbody.com, I remember when they first came out, P90X, it was like 45, it was like an hour and 15 minute workout. And you're just starting to see that slowly decline, right? Like 45 minute workout, you're going to get ripped. 30 minutes, 25 minutes, you can get ripped in 20 minutes. Now it's like five minutes, you can, you know, change your body and your life. And I'm just like, man, we we so many times are, are sacrificing depth because there's not a lot of devotion, because devotion, depth requires devotion, and devotion requires time. It it requires us taking a seat. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down, that Jesus is inviting us to simply give him what we have and take a seat. Like, I I know that it's been difficult. The way that I've described this season is brutal and beautiful. I know God is doing some incredible things, but it's also been tough. And I think some of you guys right now, that your your marriages, you're thinking, man, this is all I got, and God's like, man, would you would you give me what you have, and, and take a seat. For some of you, you're struggling with your kids, or maybe maybe one of your child your, your children has gone wayward, and you're just kind of wrestling, or maybe you're new parents, and you're just like, I just don't have anything left, and Jesus is like, man, would you just give me what you have, and take a seat. Maybe you've been wrestling with anxiety, and you're trying to figure out like what's going on, there's, uh, these, there's, there's a fear that you didn't have before and you're just wrestling through all this and God is like, listen, and you're like, I only have a little bit of peace left and God's like, man, man, give that to me and take a seat. Because th- there's something about this, there's something when, when we find our soul, listen, when we find ourselves hungry physically, it can also remind us that we're, we're not just simply dependent on food but, but our soul is also dependent spiritually. Like in the Lord's Prayer, he said, uh, he, he makes it very clear, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, right? Like there's this dependence that you and I need to have on, on the Lord that we, that we desperately need. And food can be a reminder, like when we're hungry, it can be a reminder of our dependence, of our desperate need for Jesus. But some of us, were just moving so fast to hear clearly. We're moving too fast and our our, our brains are not stopping to, to reflect deeply to, to have some communion with the Lord. God convicted me uh, over this last season because I, I started to realize that, man, we're taking communion with our church, but we're not really taking communion as a family, like gathering around the Lord's table and and really going back and, and remembering all that God has done, allowing God to examine our hearts as a family in the moment and then looking toward all that is, is ahead, like that he is coming back, that he is going to return. And, and so listen, we started taking communion as a family, not in this legalistic, ritualistic way, but it was just like, no, we need to gather at the Lord's table. We need to come and just be with the Lord. And, and so I, I want to encourage you, listen, the disciples devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, but they also devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, even the Lord's supper can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there's room for you at the table. Some of us, we need to gather around some Zooms. Some of us, are, that table's going to look like a Sunday morning in front of your screen right now, but it's okay. And then, then others of us, listen, as, as, as the, you know, our world starts to open up a little bit, maybe we can't gather in big groups, but we can gather in homes from the synagogue and from house to house. And, and I just wonder what God will create if we take a seat. I wonder what miracles would happen around the table. I mean, think about this with all of the racial tension. What a beautiful place to sit down and gather around a meal and, and, and uh, with people from different races and cultures and backgrounds and, and, and really just share and sharpen and encourage each other around God's word with songs, praying for one another. I mean, I wonder what miracle God can do with the table. I wonder what God wants to multiply. I wonder what innovation and, and new creativity is gonna spark at the table. I wonder what, what healing God can bring if we would take a seat. I'm just saying, what, what if we just invited God uh, around when we sit around together or, or when we're by ourselves with the Lord just to say, Lord, I'm gonna sit at your table, shape me, form me. But ladies and gentlemen, we gotta start with Jesus. We have to start with the gospel. It must, listen, we must pass through his hands. And as our life passes through his hands, then what, the blessing, the breaking, and the giving our lives away to the world. And here's the motivation. You know, the, the, the one time that, when Jesus was sitting with his disciples at the table, the word table used there is a the word trapezio. It's where we get the word trapeze. And a trapeze, you know, a trapeze artist, they, they swing and then they let go. And then the other person catches them, et cetera. And so I want you to get this picture. This is the beauty of the gospel, is Jesus is giving his disciples a meal at the table. And what is he doing? He's saying, like the trapeze, he's saying, I'm letting go of my seat so you can have a seat at my table. Like, I'm getting ready to suffer and endure the wrath of God. I'm ready to take the, the, the punishment as a result of sin that you and I deserve. Like, I'm going to give up my seat so that you can have a seat, so that you can feast on my righteousness, so that you can feast on my joy, so that you can feast on my peace, so that you can feast on my goodness, so that you can feast on the glory, the beauty, and the majesty, and my goodness towards you. I mean, just think about that for a moment. Jesus said, I'm giving up my seat so that you can have a seat. I wonder if we took that, that, that picture of the gospel and let it penetrate our hearts so much. I think it would not only motivate us to take a seat, but I think it would motivate us, to in, motivate us to invite others to the table. Say, man, how can I sacrifice that others might get a seat that they might see, hear, and experience the beauty and the glory and the majesty of God as they experience his goodness around a meal together? And so let, let me close with this and I believe this is a word for somebody today, that the table can be a vulnerable place. And and you don't need to, uh, I'm not saying like if you go to a Zoom group or you go to a Coffee Net Theology, I'm not saying you gotta pour out your heart, your soul and your life all in just one setting, but but one of the things that happens at a table is you build Christ-centered friendships. And, And that's really important, it's really necessary. Some of us have really been struggling in this time. Some addictions have been formed, some habits have set in, And the table is a place of vulnerability. And so sometimes we can get a little bit afraid. We can have a surface conversation around the scriptures, but not really share our lives together. And again, I'm not saying go to every table and share everything. I'm saying, but you need at least one table that you can be vulnerable in. At the end of James chapter 5, James shares this verse. And he says, listen, he says, confess your sin to one another that you might be healed. Now notice he doesn't say confess your sin that you might be forgiven because that's between you and God. But there is something that happens in Christ-centered community that is we're sharing not only our good and our celebrations, but our pain and our struggles, even our sin with one another, that God does a, a healing work. I love how Dr. Henry Cloud explained this. He says many of us, even though we may be saved, we still walk around divided relationally. He says, a lot of us, we're, we're so afraid of being rejected. We're so afraid that people won't, you know, embrace us. We're so afraid that, that if we were really honest, that people would want to invite us back to the table. And, and he said this, he said, but, but it's so amazing that when somebody comes and they, they actually share their, their struggle, their sin, in a Christ-centered community with people that, listen, want to extend grace, want to declare truth, and want to see God's very best in their life, He said, well, what happens is, is many of us, because we don't share, we walk around with this divide. And and there's really not intimacy and authenticity in relationship. But he said, when you confess your sin to one another and when you're sharing in an environment like that and you don't get rejected, you get encouraged. uh, Man, there may be truth, but there's grace. He says, in that moment, and, and they still get invited back, they're still befriending you. He says, what happens is God heals the divide. And no longer are we walking around kind of divided relationally, but there's a wholeness that God brings in the midst of. And so I'm just encouraging you, Inspired Church, listen, God has a seat for you at His table. And that your church has has provided an opportunity for many tables in this time. And they look a little bit different, but it's so important that we stay connected. God is not meant for us to be isolated. And God can get glory and we can experience the goodness of God. I pray that you never see the table the same and that God would move you to a posture and a place of worship as you experience and taste and share in the goodness of God. Whether it's you and Jesus alone at his table or whether you're around uh, the table together sharing even in the Lord's Supper that God would do exceedingly and abundantly beyond. Although we can never ask, think of, imagine that God would work this discipline into our hearts of fellowship and sharing in meals. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspired Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspired Churches through Instagram at Inspired Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Churches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspiredchurches.com for more information.